There was a study that was commissioned by Fidelity. It's done every year. And the one last fall that came out said that the average married couple in their 60s can expect to spend an additional $280,000 in their lifetime in additional health care costs. If you're not planning on that, you're making a huge mistake because that's a big chunk of money that comes directly out of your pocket and out of retirement. It's the Retirement Trainer with Ed Zidell, a podcast about helping you find ways to become financially fit for your future, no matter what kind of shape you're in now. I'm Heather Branch and on the show today, mistakes you might be making now that could cost you a lot later. More than half of retirees surveyed last year by the folks at Global Atlantic said they have retirement planning regrets what were the top mistakes and how can we take the regrets of others and turn them into an education for you? Ed Siddell is here to tell us. Hi, Ed. Hey, good morning, Heather. How are you? Doing great. Trying to um, turn another person's foe into my future. Is foe the right word? <laughs> Just making up words as we move <laughs> along. Another person's foe into my fortune. Um, Absolutely. Because I'm not too proud to admit. I'll when somebody tells me a horror story about a situation that they accidentally tripped into, whether it's you know home renovation, anything that has to do with you know future planning, I'll look at it and go, that is awful. As I'm taking mental notes, thinking to myself, how can I learn from that person's mistake and not make the same mistake? Because it's something, especially in the way of finances, that happens over and over again. I'm sure doing what it is that you do, you've been a financial advisor since early 2000s? Yeah, 2001. Okay, so we're going on year 19 now then for you. And in those years, I'm sure that you could write an encyclopedia worth of mistakes that you've seen people walk through your door with. Yeah, you know, the biggest mistake is um, people just assume. That's really the number one thing. They just assume it's going to happen. They assume it's going to fall into place and they assume they're going to be okay. What is it and that they, but what is it that they're assuming exactly? That they, if as long as they have social security and have saved the 401k, everything will be fine? Yeah, absolutely. And as long as they retire at uh, whatever, whether it's 65, 66 or 67, depending on whatever their full retirement age is, they're going to get that social security. It's going to keep going up every year. And that's going to be enough to sustain them through life expectancy. And it just, uh, unfortunately, just doesn't work out that way. We wish that it was simple, but it's not simple. That's why you have a job. And that's why we are here to help utilize you as a resource. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love a list. And The Motley Fool is one of our favorite websites to go and just read different articles through. And they recently published an article titled Seven Costly Retirement Stakes to Avoid and touted that correcting these common blunders can actually save you thousands, if not even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're simple, what seems like simple errors, but probably commonly made. So I wanted to take this time on this podcast to go through this list of seven with you, um, ask about your experience on these different errors that people often make and figure out how to correct those of us that are fortunate enough to listen to your podcast and, and have this knowledge and literally in our pocket on our phone. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. So uh, looking at this article from the Motley Fool, the number one mistake they say is what we actually you just referenced just a minute ago, assuming Social Security will be enough. Yeah. You know, I, I was reading an article uh, last week, uh, as a matter of fact, and, and it showed that, you know, close to 70 percent of Americans, I mean, Social Security is 
a major source of their retirement, if not the number one source of retirement. And the issue with Social Security is, number one, it, it was never designed to be the sole provider of, of income in retirement. Right. Uh, and, you know, we talked about this, I think, on a previous podcast. I think it's in the 2031, 32, 33, 34, somewhere in that time range. There's going to be a haircut of 20 to 25 percent, possibly even more, all the way across the board, cutting Social Security benefits. And so when people are looking at retirement and that benefit, they're not taking into consideration that haircut. They don't have other retirement income, uh, 401k, IRAs, or even savings saved up. And when that haircut comes, they're going to be in trouble. Then the other thing is, you know, when people are married, when it comes to Social Security, a lot of people don't think about the fact that when one spouse predeceases the other, they lose the smaller of the two social security benefits. They get to keep the larger, but two things happen. So they lose income and then their taxes also go up. So it's it's kind of a double whammy. And so if you're just depending on social security as your only source of income with no other revenue streams, and that does happen, which, you know, you know, unfortunately it does, what are you gonna do? And so having a plan in place before you retire to say, okay, look, I know that I'm not going to have enough. The amount for Social Security is not going to be sustainable. Then on top of it, we could have a 20, 25% haircut of that benefit. And that's just across uh, the board for anybody collecting Social Security. By the year 2030 something, we can expect it to be 20% less. That's correct. Yeah. And that that's what they're uh, assuming right now. And it could even be more. And coupled with the fact that, you know, we know Social Security is not sustainable because the the retirement age for full retirement keeps getting later and later. So for me, it's age 67. Mm -hmm. That's the latest right now. But there Mm -hmm. are talks of increasing to age 70 and later. So you're going to have to wait later and later in life for that benefit, which means you're going to have to work longer and longer. So, you know, what are the other options? Well, the best option is is to pay yourself first. Right. Okay. Think of yourself as the first bill. Um, so you're not just completely dependent on Social Security. What do you mean when you say pay yourself first? That means when you get your paycheck, you need to take a percentage and put it into your savings, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you have a retirement plan at work and they match and they, they give free money. So whatever it is, if it's, uh, you know, if they match 50 cents on, on the dollar that you're putting away. So if you put away one dollar, they give 50 cents and they do that for for a total of 3%, which means you have to put in 6%, Mm -hmm. you know, get as much of the free money as as possible. And each year you should increase it at least 1%. Okay. Right, and so the more you put away, so Dan Hardy came out with a book uh, a while ago called The Compounding Effect. And basically the premise is, you know, it's that little bit, it's each year just putting a little bit away, you know, with the growth of the market, mm-hmm. it has a compounding effect and it's going to give you significantly more in retirement than what you've put away. All right. So rule number one, social security will not be enough to sustain you in your retirement years. Don't be afraid of that. Just plan for it. Don't make the mistake of leaning on it too hard. Next on this list, number two error, not signing up for Medicare on time. This is not something that I realize that if by the time that you're eligible for Medicare, which is what, 65? Right. Okay. If you don't sign up for Medicare at that age, I think there's a window of time before and after turning 65, your premiums rise each year by 10% every year that you don't sign up. 
Isn't that crazy? You get penalized for not taking it on time. That's what I mean. Like you're not, it's not like it's costing them anything for you to have not signed up for it. Yeah. And you know what? And you also have to have, if you don't sign up for it, as long as you have a qualifying healthcare plan, then you don't have to sign up for it. So if, if you're still working and, and you have a, a group health plan that qualifies, you don't have to sign up for Medicare until you retire or until that plan goes away. Okay. Now, some employers do mandate that you, you sign up for Medicare, mm-hmm. um, even if you're still working. And sometimes it's even cheaper than traditional healthcare. Okay. So you just have to know what you're working with literally right. when you're at work as yeah, far as Yeah, you really plans. do. Okay. So don't make that mistake of losing out on that 10% premium raise every year by waiting to sign up for Medicare. You might be thinking that you're doing yourself some good by saving yourself, but that's in fact the opposite case with Medicare. Number three, failing to take RMDs on time. So required minimum distributions, you know, that's when the government says, okay, you have been saving your money long enough. It's time to pay up, right? Mm-hmm. Show me the money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jerry Maguire, it's, uh, <laughs> so at 70 and a half, give me your money. So they want their taxes. So you have to take it out at 70 and a half. And if you don't, here's what's crazy. If you don't take it out on time by December 31st, the government assesses you the largest penalty in the IRS tax code, 50%. So if your required minimum distribution, we'll, we'll just use round numbers, is yeah. $4,000, uh-huh. okay, and you forget to take it out, you have to pay a $2,000 penalty and still take it out and pay the taxes. Is there a reason why that it's set up that way? I'm sure there is, um, but you know, 50%, think about that, that's really steep. And the um, only thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's huge. Yeah. When you're talking about retirees who are, live on fixed income, have a very strict budget, and you know if you forget, I, we've got a client just recently in which the spouse passed away, right at the end of the year, and you know they were going through all those those family issues, uh, and rightfully mm-hmm. so, they they forgot to take out the required minimum distribution. Uh. And so, you know, luckily they had a a really good uh, CPA. And the rule is, look, you're stuck with the penalty. But if you have a good reason and you write a letter, you know, um, and submit it with your tax return, chances are the IRS will be forgiving. I did read that there is some opportunity for appeal in extreme situations like that. But you have to know the right people that know that there's an option to appeal. And know that you have to take it out. Right. So, and you know, that's the big thing is, is your birthday in the first part of the year, the second part of the year, you know, do you have to take it out by December 31st or, you know, April 1st of the following year? So there's all these rules. So making sure that you understand what those rules are so you don't get hit with that penalty because that's, um, you know, if all of your money is in tax deferred investments and when you pull that out, you know, not only do you have to pay the penalty, but as you're pulling it out, you have to pay more in taxes because in that example that I use, that 4,000 with a $2,000 penalty, now you're pulling out 6,000, so you actually have to pull out more to cover the tax. Right, uh, and I also read that, that actually what you can do to help prevent these kinds of mistakes is that you can set your account to automatically send you your RMD every year. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, and that's the best way to do it. Okay, um, is to, and is that something, have, that's something that you can help us do, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. That's what we do for all of our clients. We set up everybody on a auto RMD every single year okay. so that that way they don't miss it. Okay, perfect. Mistake number four, 
Not considering fixed annuities. Annuities is an interesting topic of conversation. I feel like in the past, they were looked at as something people were sketched out about a little bit, for lack of better um, description. However, nowadays, it seems to be there are some great annuity opportunities and people are looking to them as pension replacements because they offer a source of steady income. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like anything else. You know, people look at, uh, you know, all annuities and they're all horrible. And anytime you deal in absolutes, obviously that's that's wrong. Right. Not all annuities are created equal. Uh, some of them have a lot of gotchas in them. And so you really need to to look at them and make sure that you're getting the one that fits your needs. But it's a great source if you look at it as an overall recipe for your investments. It could be a bond alternative, you know, especially in the in the. Uh, volatile markets and interest rate sensitive markets that we're in right now uh, because it's safe. It's guaranteed. That principle is guaranteed and you can't lose it. So it's a great way to hedge your bets. And then you have other fixed annuities that provide guaranteed income for life as well. And so that goes back to what we were talking about in a couple other podcasts. It's that paycheck. Mm -hmm. right? When you retire, you have to have that paycheck. But again, you know, all things are not created equal. You right. need to make sure that you're using a tool. That's really all it is. It's just a financial tool that helps you generate the results that you need so that you can enjoy life when you retire. And there are obviously many options in that realm of annuities. So it's, again, like you were just saying, it's about finding the one that works for you. And that's what you are here to help folks wade through the waters of. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, just the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine and we're talking about fixed annuities and his take on them were they're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. And then we started looking at the 10 year treasury going down and how the interest rate risk that we're seeing right now, it was a much safer bet than a lot of bonds are. And so, you know, when people come in, we look at everything. We need to make sure that whatever it is that we're doing, we're using the right tools uh, for your situation. Right. And that's interesting you bring up bonds because I know probably a lot of people think that bonds might be a good idea. Not that they're a bad idea. They just might not be the best idea. It's all about deciphering the language and really showing people that tools they have access to. So now I want to ask you about, I'm actually going to combine mistake number five and number six. And I know that's one that's personal to you. And the mistake number five, they say, is underestimating the cost of health care. And number six is not factoring long-term care into your plans. And I think that health care and long-term care, they kind of fall under the same umbrella. You actually wrote an article that was published on Forbes.com talking about this very thing, the good, the bad, and the ugly of long-term care. So what are the mistakes that people are making in regards to planning or not planning for health care and long-term care? There was a study that was commissioned by Fidelity. It's done every year. And the one last fall that came out said that the average married couple in their 60s can expect to spend an additional $280,000 in their lifetime in additional health care costs. Just on health care. Just on health care. And that, those are out of, relegated solely to deductibles and co-pays. Okay, so if you're not planning on that, you're making a huge mistake because that's a big chunk of money that comes directly out of your pocket and out of retirement. You know, it's just like anything else. You know, healthcare, you have to be able to negotiate, understand before you go in, you know, what you're paying in fees. There was a um, executive order that was uh, signed a couple months ago, and I think it's starting next month in October or November that every healthcare provider has to start posting their fee for service. Really? You know, well, that's good, yeah, right? It is because right now nobody knows what they're paying. Okay. Yeah. 
so understanding those healthcare costs, it's uh, it's extremely important. There was uh, an article that came out, and and actually I saw an interview this morning, in which they they said that the number one cause for personal bankruptcy in the U.S. right now is healthcare costs because people cannot afford their their health bills, and it's one out of every five Americans have a collection for healthcare bills, outstanding healthcare. And when you think about that, that's astronomical. The number one cause of bankruptcy in the U.S. are outstanding health care bills, medical bills. Is this because we're living longer and as we get older, obviously, there's more health care required. But even though the longevity of life is there, there's still health hiccups. You know, I, yeah, I think that's part of it, obviously. I think the other part, Heather, is the fact that uh, the costs just keep escalating. Right. Um, you know, it's growing exponentially faster than inflation. The inflation cost of, of healthcare, when we're putting together a plan, you know, we're using uh, an inflation rate of 6.7% mm-hmm. just on healthcare costs. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even think that's enough. Okay. So making sure that we know what those costs are going in, that's gonna be a great way to, to protect ourselves and understand that you can negotiate those bills before, during, and after. That's probably so, a big thing that people don't realize they can do. You should never just get a bill out of your mailbox and write a check. You should always call and ask. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you have a large deductible and, and you just can't pay the bill um, all at one time, you know, number one, negotiate it. And then number two, set up a plan to, to pay that as much as possible. But you have to know going in, you can negotiate those prices and those costs. One more question I have for you in regards to healthcare. You talk about big bills and how it's number one way that retirees are facing financial trouble, if not bankruptcy. If and when that person passes away, do those medical bills become the burden of their family? No, they don't. Okay. At, at least in Ohio, they do not. Now we, we've had a situation where we had uh, a, a client who, um, very young family, he was in his early 30s. He passed away from esophageal cancer okay. and mounted a crazy amount mm-hmm. of, of medical bills. Mm-hmm. And when they passed away, we worked with um, an attorney. And we it was the first time that we found out that the estate is not responsible or the surviving spouse is not responsible for those medical bills. Little bit of good news in a situation like that, which of course is not optimal, but at least we do have that knowing that Families are not uh, obligated to medical bills. So while there is a laundry list of things in the way of keeping up all the this stuff, that's one thing, one thing we don't have to worry about. I'm not laughing at it. I'm laughing kind of with it, if you will. Uh, it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. Last mistake on this list is one that is, I, I have to imagine, a huge part of what you're able to help people figure out, not having a withdrawal strategy. Is it a situation where you see folks come in and say, well, I'm ready to retire. I'm going to cash up my 401k and all my stocks and move along my merry way because that's not how it works. You know what? You're absolutely right. I Two stories. I had uh, a gentleman say, you know what? Uh, I'm 55 years old and I'm retired now. He's getting a, a great pension. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and, and pull out you know, half of my retirement right now because I, I want to make a large purchase. Mm-hmm. Not even thinking about the implication on taxes or the implication as, as far as it relates to the early withdrawal penalty called the excise tax. So an additional 10% on top of it. Wow. And the impact that it's going to have on all of his taxes and all of his income. Mm-hmm. 
So when, when people are looking at retirement, they're just looking at the gross amount. They're not truly looking at, okay, what is the taxable impact? And if there is one. So it's just like anything else. When you retire, you need that paycheck. Right. All right. And so you want to make sure that every month you're getting that steady paycheck. And so you actually have to have an income distribution plan. You want to know where that money's coming from, what the tax implications are when it comes out so that that way you have your budget in place so that you can enjoy retirement. You know, we talked about it before. Retirement is not about surviving. It's about living life doing your, your bucket list, um, and especially those that have the, the opportunity to, to retire in their 50s and early 60s and even 70s. You know, they want to travel. They want to do things. So it's, it's very, very important to have that, that withdrawal strategy so you understand where that money's coming from so that your taxes are paid and, you know, you, you can enjoy your, your life. You can enjoy your life. And Ed is here to help you do that. That's why we call him the retirement trainer. He's getting us fit for our future, at least in the financial aspect. You're the one that has to go hit the treadmill if you need to lose some belly fat. (laughs) But in the meantime, Ed wants to help you out. If you have questions, if you have concerns, if you feel as though maybe you're making one of these seven mistakes or you want to make sure that you avoid one of these seven mistakes, Ed wants to help you navigate through all of that. EGSIfinancial.com. You can go there, click on contact and sign up for your financial fitness plan. It's complimentary. Ed's going to sit down with you for a one-on-one review of your portfolio. It takes about 45 minutes, it's quick and easy, and then he'll get to work to help create a plan for you to get into better shape for your retirement and avoid these costly mistakes that so many folks make. That's why we have you, Ed Siddell. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Let's get financially fit. You've been listening to The Retirement Trainer with me, Ed Siddell. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends and family. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review this show. Got a retirement question? Send me an email to ed at egsifinancial.com. You can also learn more about us at egsifinancial.com. Join me next week for more retirement training. Thanks for listening. Edward Siddell is an investment advisor representative of EGSI Investment Management, a registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. EGSI Financial Services, Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Edward Siddell, NPN Insurance License Number 359-6278.